the JR the Boss Man Show. We have a great guest for you. Coming from Marist College, the Red Fox coach John Dunn with me. Coach Dunn, how are things up there in the Northeast, man, in New York? How are things going for you? Nah, things are going great, JR. First off, thanks for having me on, man. Um, nah, things are going great. We're you know, settling in. I've been on the job here about five or six weeks, and the dust is uh, dust is starting to settle now and got the staff in place and got some recruits uh you know, ready to come and, and some good additions that we, we think we have a pretty strong senior group returning for next year. And, uh, yeah, things are good, man. They've opened us with, uh, welcomed us with open arms up here and, and, uh, just excited to be here. Now, Coach, what, what about Marius to get, what, what about the administration, the AD, just the community that is in and the school itself that made you decide to move from St. Peter's over to Marius here in the same conference there? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't an easy decision. You know, I've, it wasn't an easy decision. I mean, I was at uh, my former job for, for 12 years. Um, you know, it was an emotional decision. But I think at the end of the day, being in the league for 12 years, you, you, um, you get to see all the positives of all the schools and, and, and you know, just admiring Maris from afar um, as far as the, 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 the beautiful campus, you know, the, the high academic um, integrity they have here at the school. And, uh um, it's still a small enough school where you can have that intimate, you know, intimate feel um, of, of getting to know all your professors, 16 to 1, you know, faculty, uh, student to faculty ratio, which was really important to me. And, um, you know, th- those are probably the, you know, the particulars that, that drew me to the job. And, you know, I, I worked um, uh, on the men's uh, basketball committee for the for our conference in the MAC for the last five or six years. And you get to know all the um, the athletic directors and, and, uh, you know, I always really respected, um, you know, Tim Murray. So, um, when, when, when Tim gave me a call and, uh, you know, I was certainly willing to listen and then, um, obviously knowing everything I did about the school, um, uh, I just knew that it was a, it was a good place for, for me and my family to, uh, to take the plunge, man. You know, I, I left a good, uh, uh, leaving a good job wasn't easy, but um, at the end of the day, I think Marist is, is was is really worth it. Yes, indeed, the coach. You know, I have a buddy in your conference, uh, Coach Witherspoon, up there. A good one of my buddies oh. when he coached down in Chattanooga <laughs> with Coach McCall. There, me and him became okay. real cool. And Coach Shannon is his, his guy. Coach Shannon, me and him are cool as well. Well, as Coach lives in Atlanta. Coach Shannon does in Alpharetta, so okay. So I see him pretty often. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So, so I keep an eye yeah, on your comments. I'm not sure. I, w- I wish Reggie wasn't in the league, man, because he's a he's a good coach and he's doing some really good things up there. Keisha. So uh, you know, we got our work cut out for us to try to keep up with him. Now, Coach, uh, looking at, at your at the roster here in Maris, now recruiting wise, can you kind of recruit the same guys who's recruiting St. Peter's, or, or does the the math change for you a bit being here in Maris from being over at St. Peter's here? No, I mean I think it's all the same. I mean at the end of the day, you know, I mean our philosophy is always to to try to recruit high character kids, and then obviously can play hoop, you know, and they could hoop, and you know, but at the end of the day, you have to recruit guys that are. Um, good enough to win in your league and you, you have to pinpoint, you know, uh, some higher level guys to, to, to be, you know, um, to be effective in, in the league that you're in. But at the end of the day, we want to do that with, with high character guys that want to represent um, not just themselves and their own families, but the Maris family with, you know, with, with, you know, integrity and, and high character, you know, um, 
I think first and foremost, that's, that's, you know, the type of individual that we pinpoint regardless of, you know, what, what institution, um, that I was working for, you know? So, um, we've always done that, you know, I've always done that and I'll continue to do that. You know, that'll be my philosophy. And at the end of the day, guys that want to go to class, right. Want to get their degree, you know, I mean, you know, we already have ours as a staff and they're here to get theirs. And, you know, at the end of the day, I have really good relationships with, with all my players. And the only way I always tell them when I'm recruiting them, the only way we're not going to have a good relationship is if you're not handling your business academically, or if you're not representing us with character, you know, if you do those things and we'll have a great relationship. So that's who we, who we pinpoint on the recruiting circuit. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the philosophy that I'll always follow. Now, Coach, are you more of a high school freshman type, a JUCO, or a transfer, or international, or are you kind of a mix of all four of those different ways to get players? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, I, th- I think you have to have a mix, you know, in today's day and age. You know, I don't know if you can, you know, go totally one way or the other. Um, you know, I know there's some schools that might recruit, you know, the, the transfer route or or the junior college route a little bit more than, than others. But um, I think for me in particular, I, I would want to have a balance. You know, I think to have a strong program, you, you know, to have guys that are in your program for um, for four years and, and, you know, that are that come in and, and, and sustain the, you know, the, their careers through in your program uh, is always a big benefit. But, uh, but within today's day and age with as many transfers, um, you know, that, that, that are, that, that are, uh, uh, leaving their schools, you know, year in, year out. I think you have to save, you know, one or two, um, you know, every year to, to kind of see what's going on, you know, in the transfer market, you know. So I think I think a balance, you know, I think a balance. I would never, you know, we have some internationals on our roster now, um, you know, and, and uh, at the end of the day, I, I would always keep my eyes and my ears open if I have some leads, you know, whether that's overseas or, or maybe in different parts of the country, maybe West Coast and whatnot, I'll follow any lead. Um, but at the end of the day, we want to do our recruiting mainly in the Northeast, um, you know, especially out of, out of the high schools. And, and, uh, and But always, you know, you know, save one or two for, for the transfer market. Now, Coach, I, I got a curiosity question for you, Coach. Uh, international kids. What are the mm-hmm. rules on recruiting those guys? Because they all kind of because some of them may have played professionally before they came to college. So, what's the rule about those international kids coming overseas from overseas to play for you for you guys over here? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously over there they they do a lot of the they have the clubs, uh, you know, versus you know the, the the high schools. You just have to make sure that they've never been paid, you know, to play for any of the organizations or for any of the clubs over there, as long as they haven't been paid and, and, and have made any money then, then usually everything is fine but they still have to you know they still have to uh you know pass through the the nt double uh, a clearing house and and you know get the appropriate scores you know for with their transcripts to match up with with an sat or an act score that you know that they have to take so um, at the end of the day, they still have to get through the, the guidelines of the NCAA clearinghouse. And as long as they've done that and they've never been paid, you know, they've never been paid to play, then, then you know, everything is, is good as far as their recruitment. Now, Coach, uh, for those down here in Atlanta and our listening area who may not have seen your team play before at St. Peter's, uh, how, how, how do your teams play typically? And are you a kind of a coach who will kind of base your style of play on the roster that you have available to you to play with? 
Yeah, it's. I think offensively, yes, uh, 100%. You know, we're going to play a style offensively based on the talent level that we have, you know, and, and um, the, the style of guys that we have, um, you know, the type of players that we have. Um, defensively, we're pretty much going to be consistent year in, year out as far as, you know, we're a quarter-court man-to-man team. Um, that's what I've kind of hung my hat on in, in, in my career. Um, you know, even when I was an assistant, most of the guys that I've worked for were were, were man-to-man guys, and it's kind of just how I learned the game and how I see the game. I'm, I'm not a guy that likes to give up easy baskets. Um, I don't want to give up baskets in transition. I don't like giving up baskets in the paint. Um, you know, but it's funny. You know, we we were the, I think we were finished two in the fit in in, in um, we finished number one in defensive efficiency in the MAC last year. We're usually in the in the top three year in year out. But we've in the last few years we've we've been in the top. You know, in our league and and turning our opponents over, even though. Um, you know, we play our defense in the quarter court. I, I don't think you have to extend full court to be aggressive and to turn teams over. So um, we've been we've gotten more aggressive over the years in quarter court. Um, but we like to play with a toughness mentality on that end. But but offensively, you know, if I have the horses, I mean, then, then you know we'll we'll get the ball down the court and and shoot quickly and, and you know. But uh, uh, we we want to take good shots. We want to be unselfish. You know, we don't want to guard for for 28 seconds and, and grind on the defensive end and give the ball back within five seconds, unless it's a, unless it's a really good shot. Yeah. I get Yeah. And I, I think at the end of the day, you know, people say, well, defense win championships, but I think balance wins, you know, I think you gotta, you gotta be able to guard, um, but, but, but you can't win without putting the ball in the basket. Right. So, you know, and, you know, in my former job, the years that we had good balance, we, we, we did really well. You know, we were pretty good defensively year in, year out, but the years we could put the ball in the basket were the years that we did well. So, um, you know, we think we'll, we'll um, be able to recruit some, some good offensive players here to go along with our defensive mentality and, and have some good success here at Marist. Now, Coach, uh, are you using these workouts uh, to uh, – I know you don't have four hours this, this year instead of increase that rule. Will you be kind of implement more of your schemes now and try, try to build the team's morale and try to get everybody on the same page with each other using these these four hours that, that you have now up from two? Yeah, I think so. I think it helps, you know, especially get a new job to, to have the increase in, in, in the hours from two, from two to four over the summer. You know, we, we, we got six workouts in in the spring after I had gotten the job here. So they got to hear my voice, you know, for a few hours, um, you know, throughout the spring and kind of got a little bit of a feel for me. You know, we'll get a little bit more demanding and we'll nitpick a little bit more over the summer. But what we'll do is, you know, we're just going to start on the defensive end and, and start put, you know, implementing our principles and, and teaching our, our help philosophy because we're, we're a help, you know, we're a help defensive team. And, and at the same time, getting enough skill work in and, and, you know, trying to develop their games individually. Um, but those, so those are the two areas that we'll really focus on. We'll, we'll, we'll get a little bit of playing in, um, but mainly we'll be doing a lot of a lot of shell drill, a lot of defense, a lot of three on threes, a lot of rebounding, uh, rotations defensively, and kind of implement all of that while we're developing our individual games. Also, now, coach, a non-conference schedule-wise, coach, uh, I know that skills probably already done for you when, when you got there, so. 
going forward, will you be tweaking it to maybe test the team a little bit more, play more Northeastern schools, or maybe get some two-for-ones or some, or some guarantee games or play some tournaments overseas, the exempt tournaments? So what kind of you going to think you'll do with, this, with, with your new job here at Marist? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're open to, to just about anything. You know, I know they've they've played in a bunch of, uh, you know, MTEs here uh, in recent years. Um, you know, we're playing in another one this year, going over to Ireland and, and, and playing. Uh, I know they've been in the Orlando one year in the Hall of Fame um, as well. So I know they're open to playing in some of these overseas MTEs, which I think is a big positive and helps recruiting. And, and yeah, I think we want to test ourselves for sure. Um you know, with, with some of these higher, higher level games, um, you know, and I think, you know, your fans get excited and the players get excited for those kind of games, but you also need to be careful because there needs to be a balance. You know, you, you, you want, you want to give yourselves an opportunity to win. Um, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the games, not to say you can't beat these higher level, uh, schools every now and again, but I think you want to be careful on how many you play because I think it's really important that you, you not just test yourself, but you give yourself, enough opportunity to have success in the non-conference so you're feeling good about yourselves when you get into get into league play so i think there's a balance there um with giving yourself a very challenging schedule um but at the same time allowing yourself the opportunity to find confidence in the non-conference because at the end of the day in a league like you know our, our level it all comes down to what you've done in your league and and i think you want to have the most success that you can have uh, in your league by, by, by gaining confidence in the non-conference. Now, Coach, a lot of ask coaches about this. Uh, who are some guys in the business, personally, professionally, just outside of business, who have really helped you in your career as a coach and make you the coach you are today as you lead the Marist Red Foxes going forward? Oh, wow. Um, oh, okay. So, so two in particular come to mind. Probably I would say the two guys that have met. I mean, there's been a handful of guys that have meant a lot to me, um, but the two in particular. So Steve Clifford, who um, uh, was just uh, his most recent job, he's the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets. Um, I worked for guy. him. Yeah, great, great guy, great person, great coach, um, but a high character guy, and not just a great basketball mind, but a guy that really cares about people. Um, you know, he had a major, major influence uh, on me. Um, in my career, and we're still really close to uh, to this day. And I worked I worked for him um, at Adelphi University in, in Long Island, um, somewhere in the mid '90s. Um, and uh, Lewis Orr um, uh, was my boss at Seton Hall, um, and another uh, who's who's now with with Patrick Ewing at, at Georgetown. And and um, you know he is a guy that um, is just another really good coach, but um, but a better person and, and uh, who, who had a major influence on me and, and, and my philosophy. And both of those guys, um, I feel, are, are individuals that have reached um, high levels in their careers. And Lewis, even as a player, not just as a coach, but um, but I think they, they both put people first and they're both a very high character. And, and Jerry Rickroad uh, is a guy that, I, that gave me my first opportunity, my first job. Um, at Wilkes University, he was the coach at Wilkes University, you know, years ago, and uh, so those three. But uh, Lewis and and um, uh, and Steve are guys I spent the most time with in, in the business and met, meant the most to me. 
And final question for you is, Coach, now how much of a whirlwind has this been for you coming from St. Peter's to Marist? I know it's not that far away from where you were living at. We had to, probably didn't have to, right. You probably didn't have to move. <laughs> you probably could stay where you was at. <laughs> but besides not having to move, probably, how crazy has it been for you trying to get this program up up and up and going with you at the helm now? Yeah, no, it's it's been a whirlwind, man. I mean, first of all, you get five, six hundred texts in about two days' time uh, when you get a job, and and everybody wants you to respond uh, within the half an hour, um, you know, and get aggravated with you and think you're big time with them when you don't get back to them right away. So you're trying to return all your texts, uh, your phone calls, and your emails in a timely manner. Um, you know, and, and a lot of guys, you know, whether they want to join the staff or they want you to recruit their guys or just congratulatory messages. So you want to get back to them as soon as you can. And then obviously get to know your team, you know, up here. You, you want to make sure you get your, your staff in order. Um, so there's just a lot going on. And then the recruiting, obviously, right, you know, um, figuring out how many scholarships you have left and, and how you're going to use them. So it's it's a whirlwind. And on top of that, you have all the emotions going on of, of leaving a team that you 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 were very very close to, and then and then obviously I have a 13 year old and an eight year old, and and explaining to them what's what's going on. So um, it's it's certainly a whirlwind. There's a lot of emotions involved. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of sleepless nights. Um, but uh, but it's a uh, you know you get through it on 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 just you know on the energy of it all. You know. Um, you know just on the adrenaline. You know it just gets you through it because you're excited about. Uh, about the future um yeah but it is it's only a 90 minute drive for me you know so um it hasn't been bad uh you know you come up on a monday you stay a couple couple nights here you go back home you know but you're not gone for uh, a month you're not gone for weeks at a time it's just a few days and then you kind of come back up so it's it's uh it hasn't been that daunting uh on the family so it's uh it's been a great experience uh you know up to this point man and and, you know, we're still just forging ahead and, and with a lot of enthusiasm and, and, and looking forward to what the future brings here at Marist. Well, Coach, I'll tell you off the air, we're more lucky to have you in Atlanta. When you next time you're in town, recruit, you know, we're at a, a tournament. Feel free to come by a studio here in Midtown Atlanta. I'd love to have you in studio. love that when coaches come by here and see us live and in person when they're in town. So it's always a good thing for us in the show when you guys come in here and see us personally. All right, man. Well, I'm going to take you up on that, Chair. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right, Coach, it'll be great. We'll talk to you real soon, man. All right, thanks, JR. Appreciate you having me on. Tired of living day to day like everything's all right. Just waiting on that moment. Waiting on my moment. Back here on the Boss Man Show, we have another new head coach. He coached at Georgia Tech, right down the street from the studio here. You know, under Josh Pastor, and he's moving on, got his own team. All your greyhounds up there in Maryland. The coach, Tavares Hardy, on the show with me. Coach Hardy, how's it feeling to have your own program lead now up there at Loyola? Yeah, no, it's been great. Really excited about the opportunity. Uh, city of Baltimore has been awesome in welcoming me. Um, it's a great you know, department altogether, the university, the athletic staff, uh, all the student athletes I've had a chance to meet so far. So uh, just really excited to get to work 
and um, you know get this program going in the way it, sh- it should be. Now, Coach, when you was in the process of interviewing for this job, did you know that Loyola was going to be the, a program for you? Because I know you've been son of Coach Pass and you're getting a great experience working at a great school like Georgia Tech. So when you, did you feel like this is probably the geek for you, the one that made, that made you kind of say, hey, I, I can really grow here and set a foundation here and grow for a long time to come? Absolutely. I wasn't in, I wasn't looking. Uh, you know, I wasn't jumping after everything that, that came open. Um, you know, this was a great fit for me for a lot of reasons. Um, and obviously I'm really thankful for coach Pastner and coach John Thompson, the third from Georgetown and obviously Bill Carmody, who I worked for and played for at Northwestern. Um, and so I felt prepared when I saw this opportunity, uh, open up and, you know, the Patriot league is a league I've always watched. Um, you know, I love the fact that they place tremendous value on a true student athlete experience. Uh, it's great academics and it's a great basketball conference. And, you know, again, as I mentioned earlier, the city of Baltimore, you know, I, th- I think th- that combination is a competitive advantage for us and uh, just really looking to get out there and, and hit the ground running and, and showcase, you know, just what Loyola is all about. So when I saw the opportunity to, to go after a job like this, it was a no brainer for me. Yeah, because like I was telling my staff off air that Loyola's in a great spot because Loyola is in, in, in Baltimore. So you can go to D.C., you can go to New York, you can come down to Atlanta, Charlotte. You, you got that I-95 I- corridor to yourself pretty much if you want it. Either way you go and find great players, whether it be transfers, high school freshmen, or, you know, JUCO guys. You know, if you want to find yep. them, if you feel what you want. So I feel like you're in a great spot to bring in great guys and you're in a nice city because, you know, kids like to have an ur- urban city to a degree. So you're in an urban city near D.C., near up north, or you can come down south if you want to. Right in a great spot. You, Hey, man, you're winning on this one. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. No, I, that, was, that was one of the main attractions. But obviously the Baltimore, the DMV area, Philadelphia, there's so much basketball talent there. Um, so we got to take care of the crib first. <laughs> that's, that's very important to us. But at the same time, what I've always experienced, you look at the places I've coached, whether it's, you know, D.C., Chicago, Atlanta, you know, I, I believe you can attract people from major cities to major cities. And we have that opportunity in Baltimore uh, because of what you said. I mean, it's a great sports town. There's tons of uh, restaurants. Uh, but most importantly, there's there's great businesses there. Um, you know, with Under Armour, Leg Mason, just other companies where our guys can not only get a great basketball experience, a great academic experience, but they can go out and get a great internship. Uh, they can meet some professionals that can, can show them what the world is like on, on the other side. Um, and, and we're going to utilize all those tools to, to again, make ourselves, uh, you know, just be a great product. Now, Coach, what has been the biggest adjustment for you since moving up that one big seat to being a head man at Loyola and going from being an Alabama system? Because I feel like that that one seat is always going to be, you know, <laughs> some crazy there. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's funny because, you know, it's something that, you know, I've always learned to, to be able to progress in any business. You got to do well at your current job first. And uh, like I said before, I've had a chance to work for great head coaches, but I've also coached in three great leagues, the the Big Ten, the Big East, and the ACC. And so I've been very observant of, of how other people do things, how other people run their programs. And, you know, of course, I'm going to lean on my life experiences and, and, and the way I do things, the way I see things. But uh, I have a great base of knowledge uh, based on the exposure I've had as a coach. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, I, I knew I was ready. Uh, the coaches um, that that I've worked with knew I was ready, but most importantly, uh, my AD <laughs> uh, Donna Woodruff. She uh, 
she 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 felt I was ready, and you know I'm just excited to go do a great job for her because uh, she took a chance on me. So you know it's it's been fun this first month or so, however long it's been, just you know. Uh, running practices and making decisions and you know all my life experiences have prepared me for it so you know I'm truly blessed and, and anxious to, to keep it going yeah and also now coach you can make the call not suggested you can actually do what you're suggesting now rather than just no absolutely <laughs> absolutely there's no there's, there's no uh what do you think and I mean I'm gonna take opinions and and ideas, um, but at the end of the day like you said the buck stops with me and um, you know I, I, I I'm excited about that Coach, that's why I love going from a co-host to a real host, to the main host. Yeah, no more of these. How this is this guest might be a good guest. <laughs> I can't pick the guest yeah, yeah, I want to yeah, yeah. have on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and if it's wrong, I don't want to hear nothing about it. We're gonna move on to the next thing. <laughs> exactly. If that didn't go well, let let it go. It gonna move on. You got that? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. For sure. Now, coach, now you, you coached on some great coaches, man. So, what's gonna be your style of play this year? Uh, are you going to be a play it fast or play it slow or kind of based on the talent you have and defensively, are you going to be a man guy or a zone guy? Yeah, one thing I've said, and it's a credit to uh, to Coach Gigi Smith who uh, was in the spot before me. I mean, I didn't inherit a, a, a roster where I got to redo everything and bring in, you know, a whole new team. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's some players that were left behind that – I'm excited to work with. I already got a chance to get on the court with them and sort of learn their learn their games. That was important to me not to come in and sort of dictate to them this is who we're going to be and how we're going to be. Of course, culturally, we got to do some things that I believe in, um, and, and we're going to be great in that area. But I really wanted to learn how they play and how they do things before I decided on which way we were going to go. But I feel like I got a great base. I feel like recruiting has already been good for me. Uh, I've signed two kids. So the way we're going to play, when you think about Loyola basketball, um, you know, obviously it's not the same level of, of height and athleticism, but you know, think about the Golden State Warriors. Think about the Boston Celtics, the San Antonio Spurs. You know, teams that play an open style of basketball. We want to push it up. We want to be aggressive. Um, you know, I want our guys to play freely and loose. But at the same time, you know, the way we're scheduling, we're going to play some teams that are physically more talented than us at times. And we're not silly. We're not going to try to outrun teams that are faster than us. Uh, so we want to be efficient. Uh, versatility, there's a premium on versatility for me, offensively and defensively. Uh, we're going to have a base defense in man-to-man. We're going to be tough. We're going to be physical. We're going to be, you know, a great communicating team. But I also have coached with some coaches who, you know, we've had a lot of success playing different styles of zones, uh, both at, in all three spots that I've been at. So, you know, we'll utilize those when necessary. But, you know, one thing I'll tell you is it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting for our fans and our players are going to get better. As I put together my staff, that's been the key emphasis is player development. You know, it's not about the system. It's about getting guys better and making sure they can play in any style of play. And, uh, you know, once we get that group together, um, and I think we can get there sooner rather than later, we'll be fun to watch. Exactly. Now, Coach, non-conference scheduling-wise, it's probably already done for you for this year. But going forward, are you going to try to play some of those exempt tournaments as well? Maybe try to get Georgetown to play you. Maybe go down play Georgia Tech, but Coach Patterson's still there. You know, play big those big-name schools. Also, we get some guarantee games for the university to help you out money-wise, of course. And awesome two-for-ones that's going to come out there and play you in Baltimore because it's a big city. You're willing to go play, play there. So, so how do you feel about that non-conference schedule going forward, Coach? 
Yeah, I mean, we want to do everything we can to get some great teams to come into Baltimore so that our fans can see us play, um, you know, some 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 good opponents. And obviously the Patriot League takes care of itself, but hopefully non-conference we can get some guys to come play us at home. Um, but at the same time, and I don't want to uh, talk about next year's schedule specifically yet because we haven't released anything, but uh, we're, we're going to play a very competitive schedule. We got uh, some teams out of the Big East, Big Ten, um, you know, we're working on some things. Hopefully we can get some more ACC or SEC, um, you know, but in, and, and we're also going to play some some local rivalries and, um, you know, just play a balanced schedule uh, so that our guys can get a lot of different exposure. Um, you know, I, we're going to recruit, like I said, locally. It's going to be our bread and butter, the Baltimore DMV area. But, you know, we got guys on our roster. We got Isaiah Harvey from Georgia. Uh, you know, we got Kavon Scott, who's from California. So, you know, where there's opportunities, to possibly, you know, get them back home for a game. We'll look to do that um, if the schedule permits. But, you know, I want to play a competitive schedule, get our guys a lot of different experiences. And like you said, the exempt tournaments are always fun, um, get, a, get a chance to compete for a championship early um, early in the season, and then hopefully that trickles to, you know, winning championships later on. But, uh, you know, we, we're going to get after it. We're not going to schedule light. Uh, we're going to schedule a, a competitive schedule so our guys can get a great experience. You got that right, Coach. Now, with the NCAA kind of bumping things up to four hours this off-season workout, so are you going to try to work out an hour a day, maybe with the guys kind of implement some schemes, shell drills, three on three, five on five, so try, try to kind of, see, kind of see what you have before you, you get your tip off there in October there. So uh, how are you going to play on them this, this summertime with the guys here, Coach? Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a unique time in, in that we're coming in brand new. It actually switches halfway through our summer workout. Um, and, and so the way I look at it, you know, summer, you know, I want the guys to have some freedom and have some fun. Uh, I want them to, to, you know, explore their games and see what they can do and get better at. So I don't plan on, you know, being one of those coaches that's straight putting in system, putting in system. You know, I want the guys to really concentrate on just getting better, becoming better basketball players. Um, you know, of course, as, as we switch over to where we have four hours, where we get more time, um, you know, just making sure they understand my voice, understand the things that we're going to want to do, things that I value. Uh, we'll make sure that's, that's, that's emphasized. But, you know, I want our guys to improve their bodies. That's one thing I noticed uh, when I walked into the door and, and started watching them work. You know, we got to get some muscles put on these guys. Um, you know, we got to get guys to be quicker, more athletic, more efficient with their bodies. So I certainly don't want to sacrifice the time we have to, to be able to do that. Uh, but at the same time, like I said, I want I want them to expand their games. I told them everybody has a clean slate. So if, if you're the six eight uh, post player that's been standing around the block your whole career, uh, this is your chance to show that you you're capable of stepping out a little bit because uh, I'm gonna let you do it. But with that freedom comes responsibility to be in the gym and 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 and, and you know the ball actually has to go in the hole. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that's the main key there. But if, if if it don't go in. If it don't go in, then you know we're gonna figure out a different way to attack it. So, uh, but I'm giving my guys a clean slate and letting them uh, sort of, sort of, you know, shape their game the way they see fit, and then we'll go from there with system. Now, coach, last one I got for you, coach. What's been your typical day like? I'm pretty sure you're doing interviews, talking to boosters, meeting with the AD, the presidents, other people in the community, meeting with the sponsors. So, how's your days been each day? I mean, how long are you in office? Ten, twelve hours a day, coach? Are you calling recruits? How, yeah. Talk to us a little bit about it. Yeah, no, it's a unique time. Um, you know, I got four kids, four wonderful kids and, a, and an amazing wife that are still in Atlanta. Um, 
And so uh, being in Baltimore grinding, you know, sort of without the pressure of, of coming home and, <laughs> and making sure the kids were doing what they were supposed to do too has, has sort of helped with the transition. Again, I, it's true credit to my wife for being such a soldier and uh, allowing me this freedom and responsibility. But uh, for the most part, my day my day is, you know, I get up pretty early. You know, I like to get to the office and start grinding. Um, you know, I, I got to mix my workout in at some point. But all the things you just said beforehand as far as meetings and, you know, putting together, whether it's scheduling, whether it's hiring coaches, whether it's getting on the court with the guys, whether it's recruiting, of course. Um, you know, I'm just spending all day uh, uh, doing all those things. But, you know, it's just it's, it's, a, it's a blessing to be in this opportunity. I'm actually home right now, probably not far from you guys. My kids are outside having a water gun fight <laughs> because we got an NCAA dead period. Uh, but it's still, it's nonstop. Um, you know, my wife has is, 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 is been great as far as, you know, understanding that I'm home, but I still got to grind. And uh, I, I cherish that aspect of what, what we do. Yeah, Coach, we're over here on Northside Drive, Coach. That's where we're at, so that's probably not too too far away from you. Yep, yep. Now we're out in Smyrna, actually. Uh, I love coming out of Smyrna. We ain't a brave game. <laughs> it's all that traffic out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Coach. Yep, you now, know, I, the cool part about it. We got different routes. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. You got that right, man. Well, Coach, I'm happy for you. You know what I'm saying? Coach Powell's alive. I've known for years when he was in Memphis, the Georgia Tech. So having you get move on is a great thing. I know he's a great guy, great coach. So before the covering you guys and coming to Baltimore, see you guys play because I got friends. One of my buddies, Anthony, Anthony Levine, plays on the Ravens. So maybe I can, y'all can get y'all together. He can, maybe he can help y'all out a little bit. You know, he donate y'all some donates to y'all because I mean he's a good man. He's played for the Ravens number forty-one. Absolutely, Anthony Levine Senior. That's one okay, of my yeah. best friends. Nah, I'd love to have him come by. Tell him, uh, you know, we're not just trying to, you know, pack our gym with alums and fans and and, uh, and students. Although that's very very important to us. We want the whole city of Baltimore to get behind us. There's no professional basketball team in Baltimore. You know, we want to be that city team. So I know we got to earn that right, but we want we want everybody to get excited about what we're doing in the whole city. I'm with you, Coach. I definitely let him know there, Coach. Coach, it's been a great pleasure having you on the show, Coach. Before doing it again with you real soon, man. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. said to us, it's the reality report here with Boss and Jay Monique. Jay, what is good? What's you got for us in this week's reality report? Uh, well, the first thing for the reality report is uh, with Real Housewives of Potomac, for those who watch that, that's a, another branch of the, the Real Housewives franchise. And on Real Housewives of Potomac, um, Robin Dixon uh, says that Monique Samuels has inner beef, hatred, and obsession with her and Giselle Bryant. Well, because since uh, throughout the season, she's been, Monique has been having issues with Giselle and Robin. Robin and Giselle happen to be like BFFs on the show. Like everywhere 
Giselle is, Robin is for the most part, almost whatever Giselle does, Robin pretty much does. Uh, so what happened is that in the most recent episode, there was a an issue brought up about Monique Samuels possibly having a drinking problem because she got into a car accident uh, after she was hanging out for the day with Ms., uh, Ashley Darby. And when Monique Samuels initially brought up her car accident, she mentioned it in context as in she's so busy and so tired so she fell asleep at the wheel before she crashed and fell into a ditch. But she didn't expect it to turn into a storyline. So Monique, she wrecked her car after she went out to lunch with Ashley, who claimed that Monique had four drinks before she was driving. So now Ashley, Giselle, and Robin are questioning Monique's drinking habits. So uh, Robin uh, recently, her and Monique and also their other friend Karen was having. It was like a perfume smelling event. And Monique almost could not contain herself anymore for Ashley because she's mad because Ashley went behind her back to say that she had a drinking problem and that she had four drinks, whereas in Monique's eyes, she only had two. You know how reality is. They're going to find any type of petty reason to beef with each other. Uh, so Robin says that when Monique started going off on Ashley, she couldn't believe it. The way how she was screaming, turning red, and calling a name. And she felt that if Ashley really exaggerated the amount of drinks that Monique had, Monique should have taken her own advice and addressed Ashley while they were out of town. Because they just recently got back from being out of town. All the ladies went out of town. They had a wonderful time. And Monique really didn't confront Ashley there. She kind of just still went with the flow. So even though she was a, a, apparently offended by Ashley uh, bringing that up about her, she waited until the girls got back in town to confront her at an event. So that's where Robin Dixon is coming from. It's, at, it's about Monique just like being controlled, going off on Ashley and her and Ashley as friends. And just bring it up when because I'm, I'm like this petty stuff he's mad at you got that right yep so that's it for uh, the Real Housewives of Potomac and the next thing is uh, about the Real Housewives of Atlanta reunion even though the reunion was some time ago it's really more regarding Andy Cohen and Andy Cohen says that he wished that he would have walked off of the Real Housewives reunion he recently visited the jenny mccarthy show on sirius xm last week to promote love connection but he ended up spilling a lot of tea about the real housewives and andy shared his real feelings about the real housewives of atlanta reunion and how he never thought kim zolciak berman's bathroom moment would be the light of day so when he's referring to her bathroom moment at the end of the show like when everybody already walked off stage from the reunion Apparently, Kim was having, like, some type of meltdown in the bathroom. And the producers still caught it on film. So Andy was thinking that that was just a candid moment where he went into the, the bathroom to talk with her and kind of calm her down. He didn't expect that to actually end up on TV. Pity. And when he was on the show, he said that, I hated a five-against-one situation because it's a gang-up. And the problem is that Kim 
it's less problematic when the person is good at taking up for themselves. Kim was not having an easy time with her words. She was making it harder for herself. So during the reunion, like while, you know, so-and-so would say X, Y, Z to her, she wasn't really like expressing herself, you know, in a, in a feasible way. So that was kind of getting underneath um, Andy's skin. And Andy also explained that at one point during the final segment of the reunion, no one was even listening to him and he didn't have any control of the room. And that's when he said, I wish I would have walked off. I've never walked off. Everyone else has. And then the next day he was saying to himself, damn it, you should have walked off. As for the aftermath of the reunion, when Kim demanded Andy come in the bathroom to listen to her long list of complaints, Andy says he had no idea the footage would be usable. In fact, he even told producers afterwards, there's nothing interesting here. Oh, they are going to try to get you. I was, our reality show, anytime the cameras are rolling, no matter how insignificant you may think it is, the producers will find a way to use that footage if they feel that it's going to get some type of reaction from the audience. That's all I got to say about that as far as the Real Housewives reunion. Gotta be smarter than that. He wasn't smart. Got to be smart. Got to be. And uh, the next one, Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. So on the last episode, Kirk and Rashida were in New York uh, laying his mother to rest. And we had learned uh, last week uh, during a very somber moment that his mother had passed at the end of the episode when he told Rashida. And Kirk was thankful for Rashida being there for him during his time of need. And he let her know that he is grateful for her being in his life. I think that's a little, I mean, that's a little, in my opinion, I could be wrong, but this is just my opinion. I think it's a little tacky to show, you know, on a reality show, somebody's mother's funeral that's just my opinion it's on that very tech, there's so many uh, other things to film yeah I, i'm in agreement with that but they got used as a storyline they, they got used as a storyline for the whole world to see uh, yeah uh, i mean you profit off your mama's death pretty much now i can't respect it and that's just not cool on both parties and his end and the the, the ones and the producers who filmed it you don't do that terrible and also so the next thing about Love & Hip Hop, Erica brought up Stevie J and about not wanting to work with him. And since Erica brought up Stevie, Spice decides to spill the beans on Escalita and the fact that she is still messing around with her manager. And Erica is, is not too pleased. <laughs> the good guy. I mean... When Estelita first came in, it was supposed to be all about business. I mean, she even said from the from the gate that it's just supposed to be about business and nothing more. And then here we are. Hey, look. Is he anybody surprised? I mean, <laughs> he was my homie. Ah, uh, little. <laughs> she cool though. She she cool to be around. She cool. Yeah, she seems that way. Erica Mena. Nah, she missed it. I don't want her nowhere in sight. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. She can take her back to New York. Yo, son, go to New York, son. Go take the government to New York, son. We don't need that down here. I don't, need, I don't hear about yo sons and mad and what. I don't need that crap around me. Go, ahead, go back <laughs> to New York. Uh-uh. Yo, son. 
yeah, yeah, yo, son, go to New York, son. Do that, son. Sucker. Okay, Jay. Huh? Okay, That's pretty much it for uh, for uh, Love and Hip Hop. What songs came out for Love and Hip Hop that we heard of? Oh, yeah. I'm still waiting on Love and Hip Hop songs actually, actually come out in, in real life. But with this, this Spice Chick, you know, she real cute. Well, she got a big booty. She ain't really cute. Man. She got a big ass. But besides her being, her song didn't come out. Like, I, what songs that came out from Love and Hip Hop Atlanta? I don't know any. I heard none of their songs. I don't get it. We put on my music. What music? I don't say it. Am I missing something? I don't think you're missing anything because I've never heard any of their music. Estelita, she, she was she was on from uh, from last season or, or so. I've never heard not one of her songs. I've never heard any of her songs. I haven't heard anything from Spice or any of these people. Okay, at the risk of making my friend mad, but I'm gonna say I don't know a song that Stevie Stevie J's Data songs put out. I'm being real. That's my dude. <laughs> you just being real. I mean, you calling it as, as it is. I mean, I've mean, never heard I any heard of it. it. Maybe I don't look it hard enough, but I ain't heard it yet. <laughs> looking hard enough. <laughs> Woo wee, folks. That's the reality for this week. Catch us again this week. Just check us out. Jay on Twitter, Reality Accepted. Check her out. She got the reality. Roger Goodell 
being the buffoon he is, I'm a, I don't care. I'm gonna call him a buffoon. Every, I don't give a care. Cowering to that imbecile in D.C. who's president of this country, who's the one of the dirtiest individuals on the face of this earth. And I'm gonna say it. I don't care. I don't care if I offend my Caucasian or, or Muslim supporters. I don't give a damn today. I'm a Dominican and black man first, American second. Okay, screw that. Now I'm not, America don't respect me and my people. I'm gonna call it out on this from Ray Radio Show. So if y'all get mad, screw you. The dirtiest man in the world, bro. You gonna cower to him? Seventy percent of those league is black or minority. You gonna silence their voice because these old, hardened, racist white people have a problem with it and are turning patriotism into racism and using the, the flag to cover their racism that what the black people say don't matter oh get over it you, you're making a bunch of money it's like they don't give a care about where we come from we, as that Laura Ingram says wants to shut up and play football and be their dark entertainment on the field it hit each other hey bro and, and it, at this point I understand, you know, players, you know, you're feeding your families, you're making a living, you know, you're trying to get your money. But this league is obviously showing you that you are property. You know what I'm saying? They have no respect for you whatsoever. I don't I don't understand how you don't strike at this point. I know it's going to probably be a labor strike coming up when the CBA uh, in 2020, when it's time to redo the CBA deal, but... If you're, you know, a leader on your team, you know, uh, somebody that all the guys look up to, how do you not do something at this point? You know, exactly. it's because it makes no sense, man. Like, there once again, you go, so you're going to tell me that if I decide to deal, you're telling me you have to stay in the locker room, a grown man to stay in the locker room and not, you know, exercise my constitutional right on the field? Come on, get out of here, man. Like... You got. I, I want to see somebody do something. I I love I love the NFL. I love the NFL for you know what I'm saying as far as the years and years of fandom that and all the you know great highlights and memories of watching the Cowboys and, you know throughout the years. Like I'm a Cowboy fan, but at the end of the day I'm a man and I recognize that the NFL don't care about us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. That, the Cow- Jerry Jones, the Cowboys really don't care about us. But at the same time, we still going to spend money and, you know, and support it. You know, and, and it's like, that's not going to change. And then these players, like, they feel like that they making money and they, they can't really voice, you know, how they feel because they're going to get cut or, like, or get Kaepernick, basically. You know, it's, it's just a, it's a weird dynamic uh, that's going on in the league that, that you don't see happening in the NBA. Hell, Major League Baseball, you know, I we have has more, shown more love, more respect towards us, and it's not even a whole lot of us playing baseball, you know. So it's just weird, man, and I, I don't know what to make of it. Like, you know, I'm a I'm a fan, but at the same time, it's like, wow, like it's just the hypocrisy and just the idiocy of of, of the league and the owners and the commissioner, and they're all just, you know. Really, just you know, perpetuating <laughs> you know false narratives about what it was all about to begin with, with the protest. Well, bro, I can tell you, I used to be a cowboy fan. I'm mm-hmm. not anymore because seeing Jerry Jones pretty much 
sleep on me and my people and actually putting it in words and in black and white, I was done. Seeing the way Dak Prescott tap dances for the man, and I said he tap danced for the man, you know, and the way Dez Bryant tap danced for the man, look at where he and his ass is at. Where did he get you tap dancing? Where did tap dancing get you? I ain't gonna say what I wanna say. I'm gonna say tap dancing because we we got some affiliates here. I don't wanna lose them. So I'm gonna say tap dancing for the man. You know, not what I really wanna say. Where did it get you? You know, I'm not gonna support it. I'm indifferent now to any team. I don't have a fandom anymore. I'm indifferent. I have to do it for my job now. I was a cowboy fan, but Jerry Jones bleeping on my people. Screw that. You know, and I'm disappointed in Arthur Blank. You know, he talks about players have freedom to shoes, blah, blah, blah. But he voted for his rule today. Right. Yeah. Speaking the, only, just, only, the only, only they have thing for voting was uh, the, the 49ers owner, the young guy. And then I hear Christopher Johnson. You say you'll play, you'll play a player's flying like one of why you vote for the rules? I don't, it's like you're talking, you're trying to appease both sides. Pick a damn side, you know? Right. That's not play the line. And the NFL PA, JC, better step up to the plate this time and fight. You got to. Play ball for Tom Brady. You better fight for this. Because you're pretty much letting these rich white men oppress the black, your black player's voice. This this is a rule pretty much saying, boy, you ain't going to rise up against me. I'm your master. You do what I say. I'm your owner. This is this. This is just. This is just. A, this is how. This is a modern day slavery. I don't care if people out here. Oh God, he said yes. Modern day slavery, JC. If you don't do as I, I will tell you what to think and what to do. If you don't do it, I'm on the yeah. consequence of a penalty, or you can't come out to play or to the pastor unless you do as I say. What it boils down to, I I know people feel uncomfortable about it, JC. I don't care, bro. But as a black man, if you was a black man, we see see the bigger picture. And I do not allow the projection of white privilege tell me what how to think and how to feel. As a black man in this country, because you know how how we feel. Man, you hey, you really saying something now, boss? You know, that's all. Like I said, everybody is tap dancing on the issue right now. It's not gonna. It's not gonna save your job. It's not gonna save your position within the league, man. Like once they think they, you know, gotten everything they got out, they, everything they get out of you. You know what I'm saying? You on the decline. You know, you you gonna get cut too. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, That's why. Yeah. Stand for something or fall for anything. Well. You know? Like as well, man. Like think about this. If these players. Bonded together, all the blacks with some of their white compadres. Then, as the Warriors are saying is, bro, their strength in numbers. They can't cut all of you. They can't fire all of you. If you all got together and say we gonna sit out for a week to prove a point, things will change. That's what that's what's gonna have to tell you, man. And that's exactly what's gonna have to tell you. Exactly. So it's just, it's just like the NFL players have to actually 
we willing to lose a week of pay to prove a point for it. And guess what? It could be a churning point. It'll make right. these rich, white, no good owners see down. My players really care about this. We got, and it'll, it'll, now of course, it'll be those, those MAGA people who they're scared of, who gonna be and moan about it. But they're actually more progressives as millennials come up, as people see how the MAGA way of thinking is bad. Look at all these school shootings. Look at all this cor- corruption and collusion you have, have with the presidency and in the Congress right now. The MAGA brand is only for a certain percent of people. There's more non-MAGA than is MAGA people. So, stand up to that crap. Do something, bro. Like, this rule is pretty much, this rule is pretty much saying, black man, do what I say, screw you, I'm your owner, and I don't care what you think about it, it's over. I'm, we, we're cutting your ability to speak out and get us out, pretty much. And we'll see where they stand, bro. I, I mean, if they don't do nothing about it, <laughs> whatever. Hey, man, like I said, hey, you don't take a stand now, man. You're going to look back on this and, and, re- and realize, hey, you know, you didn't do, you didn't do your part, man. It's like I said, if they just all stood together, it can it can make it can make change like it's like a ripple years from now. You know, maybe not maybe not immediate change, but but change that can happen down the road, and that's what it's all about, man. Exactly, exactly. It's about having a backbone, bruh. I know this was a heavy one today, but I know this is Memorial Day weekend, clicks <laughs> in May. So last weekend of that. So what is what is the last move for clicks in May tonight, bruh? Bro, well, you know, when we talked last Saturday, you know, we had the uh, hashtag LBM, Little Booties Matter, first contest, all right? And that was a success, man. Matter of fact, boss, I got to see the video from, uh, from last weekend. Please man. do. <laughs> but, yes, sir. But, man, we going we gonna, to we gonna do something special again, man. You know, clicks in May. It's going down tonight, this Saturday night. Um, we're going to do our thing, man, up in there. The, the liveest party spot in the city of Memphis, man. Number one karaoke spot in the city of Memphis, man. Clicks, sports bar, and billiards. Come holler at us, man. JC, Three Kings. It's what we do, man. We run karaoke in the city. Number one spot, man. Clicks and make them. Check us out. No doubt, folks. Three-man, we're JC. Boss, we out.